Heavenly Father, this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. We all need that prayer. That we abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. And if we have knowledge and discernment, then we begin to understand what's going on in this world. You see, you turn the news on, and you see images and stories, and you begin to understand what's going on. If you don't have knowledge and discernment, then it's very difficult, it's very chaotic out there. So today, I shall be talking about the roots of Islamic terrorism. Okay. Now, I've uh, been to quite a few countries, and you can see the list up there. Four of the countries... Does that work? while we're trying to sort that out. Um, four of the countries are Muslim countries. Eight of the countries are Buddhist countries. Seven of them are Catholic countries. The Catholic country, one of the Catholic countries is Spain. It used to be Catholic then it became a Muslim country. Then it went back to being a Catholic country. And the second time round it became a Catholic country. That's when they had the Inquisition. One Orthodox, that's an Eastern Orthodox, and the rest are vaguely Protestant. Right, the UK government has designated 84 entities as terrorist entities, and there are laws surrounding that. Um, if a, an entity is a terrorist entity, you can't give money to them as a donation. The churches that are represented here, we're not terrorists, so people can give money to the respective church. And that's not illegal. But if you give money to one of these 84 entities, it is illegal. Okay. And other things, you can't join them. All right, you can't serve them. You can't work for them. There are 50 groups listed by the UK, but not the United Nations and eight listed by the United Nations, but not the UK. 
And roughly two-thirds of these 84 are Islamic as opposed to secular or non-Islamic. Uh, Non-Islamic would be Tamil Tigers. Now, that's a terrorist group, but it's nothing to do with Islam. Um, and the breakdown you can see up there of the 84, 51 are Islamic, seven are Irish Republican, six of them are British loyalist, far right, far left, and others, as you can see up there. Now then. Somebody name me some of these terrorist groups. I think you got one too. Anyone else? Hezbollah. Anyone else? IRA. Who said that? One more. One more. Hmm? Tamil Tigers. Well, it is a terrorist group. You can have that. I'm going to go, I'm going to, okay, who said that? All right, okay. So these are the, where are we? The most deadly, the most deadly, this is the list. Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Taliban, Boko Haram, they're most in the sense of how many people have they killed up to now. If you count how many people have been killed by each group, all right, that's the top list. Hezbollah, Al-Shahib, Lashkar Al-Tayaba, Tariq Taliban, Pakistan, Hamas, IRA. They managed to sneak in there in the top list, because they've killed lots of people. Everybody's heard of Al-Qaeda, that came up amongst you. They're responsible for 9-11. It's a Sunni Islamic terrorist group formed by Osama bin Laden and I won't go through it all because I think most people are familiar with Al-Qaeda. There's also ISIS, everybody's heard of ISIS, again a Sunni Muslim organization. Their self-proclaimed caliphate, it claims religious authority over all Muslims across the world. It's not isolated to one area. They claim authority over all Muslims wherever they live. And they aspire to bring Muslim inhabited regions under its political control. And you read all about them operating in the Middle East. Taliban. Taliban is a top terrorist organization, but it's not one of the 84. The United Nations consider them 
a terrorist organization, but the UK government haven't, probably because no UK citizens have been killed. So there's no incentive. So you see this overlap. It doesn't all work together. Okay, each country has autonomy, so the UK can designate one group as terrorist, and the UN or the US or other people. And we have this with Norway. Norway doesn't recognize some of the Islamic groups as terrorist, whereas the UK and the UN do. Boko Haram. Lots of people have heard of Boko Haram. Okay. Hezbollah. It's a Shia Muslim group, as opposed to Shiite. And um, based in Lebanon, financially and militarily and all sorts of ways supported by Iran and Syria. Central goal, elimination of the state of Israel. And they have a manifesto, you can go on their website, they have a website, same as everybody else. And they say that what they do is supported by the Quran. The recurring themes, overthrow of the existing non-Islamic government. Establishment of Islamic rule. Elimination of Israel. Fatwa against USA. Opposition to Christians. But there's something missing from these manifestos. The word human rights is missing. The word democracy is missing. Free speech is missing. Ah. How many wives did Abraham have? Abraham have? Hmm? Who said three? All right. Three. Who can name them? Who said that? <laughs> Next one. Hagar. Next one. Keturah. Right. What is this? I'm not giving a pic. <laughs> What's this depict? Who's in this picture? Oh, sorry. My. They. Where we go? Yes, who's in this picture? Hagar, Sarah, and Abraham. Right. Okay, so um, he had two wives at the same time. He only had Keturah afterwards when each of, both of them had died. All right? So these are the two he had at the same time. Sarah was a Chaldean. That's where he married her. He was his, uh, she was his traveling companion. She'd been through a lot with him. She was beautiful, she was loyal, 
devoted, obedient, a love match. Hagar was from Egypt. She was an ex-slave girl. She was disrespectful, mocking, and it was a marriage of convenience because he needed an heir. How many sons did Abraham have? Name them. Somewhere from there. And I heard something from here. All right, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael was older. He was Hagar's son. He was banished. He was dispossessed. He did not inherit a penny. Abraham gave his mother a water jar and said, leave. Isaac was Sarah's son. He was younger. He was loved. And he inherited God's promise to Abraham. Who remembers God's promise to Abraham? I dealt with it in the last session. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. Here we go. Right. Now then. If anyone can name either of the pictures or either of the artists, The first picture is called Ishmael and Hagar. I can't throw that, but I'll try. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, come on. Hmm? I can't. Who's? Abraham and Isaac. Artists. Nope. Nope. Rembrandt. Second one is Rembrandt. The first one is Frederick Goodall. Okay. There you go. I think um, Isaac must have had issues later in life because, you know, his father took him up this mountain and was about to th slit his throat. And imagine growing up in that family, and your older brother, you, you never see him because he's been banished. And then eventually you do see your older brother. When did um, Isaac see Ishmael again? Funeral. <laughs> Funeral. All right. Is that a rest for me? All right. Oh, here we go. Who's been there? All right, somebody who's not been there, what is it or where is it? Hebron. Who said Hebron? Oops, sorry. Hebron. There are two entrances. 
one for the Jews, one for the Muslims, because they know that if they go and they see each other, they're going to shoot each other. So there's a partition in the middle and two entrances, so they never have an opportunity to shoot each other, so that they can pay their respects to Abraham. Okay? Abraham was buried there. Sarah was buried there. Or is buried there, I should say. All right? Isaac is buried there. Rebecca is buried there. Jacob and Leah. Not Rachel. Where was Rachel buried? Who's at Bethlehem? <laughs> Bethlehem. That's right. Leah, as far as God was concerned, Leah was Jacob's wife, not Rachel. There's uh, something in there I'm not going to delve into right now. When was the law written? Yeah, Moses. About 400, it says in Hebrews, uh, the law was given 430 years after Abraham, all right? So this is what Moses wrote 430 years later. If a man have two wives, the one beloved and the other hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be in the day that he causeth his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved the firstborn before the son of the hated who is the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the hated, by giving him a double portion of all that he hath, for he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Do you see a problem here? Do you see a, who wrote the law? Yes, I know, but who gave? All right. Jesus said, well, Moses didn't give him the law. My father gave him the law. But he said he wrote this about divorce because of your hardness of heart. God wrote the law. This is the law. How much did, well, number one, how much was Ishmael entitled to? I'll keep it simple. If Abraham died in today's money with $3 billion in the bank, how much of that should have gone to Ishmael? Two. Two. And how much should have gone to Isaac? One. What actually happened? No, it all went, all three billion went to Isaac. All three. And the land. And the name. And the birthright. Okay. Now. Arabs and Jews. The Arab nations are the descendants of Ishmael. 
and the Jews are the descendants of Isaac. Okay. What is the name of the holy book of the Jews? Torah. Who was the first one who said Torah? Over there again. Uh, over here, okay. Right. And what is the name of the holy book of the Muslims? Quran. Well, everybody said that, nobody gets anything. There are different ways of spelling it, but this is the one I remember. <laughs> All right. Okay. We Christians call this Old Testament. We call Torah Old Testament. And what we call New Testament, the Quran calls the Gospel. So the, the name in the Quran for this book is Torah, and the name in the Quran for this book is Gospel. Okay? What do Jews believe in? Torah. What do Christians believe in? What do Muslims believe in? Somebody said all of them. Who said that? <laughs> all right, let's be fair. They believe in all three. However, this is what they say. Number one, they say that Jews and Christians have changed the text. So what we currently have, so if I were to hold this up, they say this is corrupted, it's not the original. And number two, they say that because this refers to these, is adequate, to read this and not have to read that. All right? But in principle, if you can produce the original of these two, they'll say that is part of their scripture. In principle. Right, this is the map of the Middle East. 
if you've got note, notepads, the Arab lands occupy 10 million square kilometers, and Israel occupies 20,770 square kilometers. This is a map of Europe. Europe occupies 10,180,000 square kilometers. And Wales, who's from Wales? Half from Wales, well done. <laughs> occupies 20,782 square kilometers. Therefore, within 1% variation, the size of the Arab countries is the size of Europe and the size of Israel is the size of Wales. So why are they fighting over it? Right, let's talk about Islamic monotheism. Islam is the religion of the Arab nations. I showed you a map. Islamic monotheism is defined as the religion of Abraham. That's their definition of their religion. They say, this book is the religion of Abraham. It says, Abraham was neither a Jew nor a Christian, but he was a true Muslim Hanifa believer, righteous man. Okay, that's what it says in the Quran. Quran is a confirmation of the revelation which came before the Torah and the Gospel that is in the Quran in Surah 10 and it's a guidance for those who are pious believers of Islamic monotheism and fear Allah much and love Allah much they believe in the unseen and performs prayers and they believe in the Quran the Torah the Gospel and the hereafter it is a requirement of believing the Quran that you believe in the afterlife you believe in the Gospel you believe in the Torah, and you believe in the Quran. The fact that they're incompatible is neither here nor there. But they wouldn't say that. And it believes, it urges mankind to believe in Allah, in Muhammad, the Torah, the Gospel, and Jesus, son of Mary, and follow him that you may be Guided, that's in Surah 7. And then it has a few words to say about Jews and a few words to say about Christians. The Quran says that Jews and Christians wish to lead Muslims astray. That's They believe in the ayat of Allah, the um, pronouncements. They mix truth with falsehood and conceal the truth that they will never be pleased with Muhammad and that they want to extinguish Allah's light with their mouths. That's what they are taught. They also are taught to believe 
in Allah and the teachings of Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes, Moses, Jesus, and other prophets. But here's the thing. There is no hierarchy. No hierarchy amongst these names. There is no distinction between one and another among them. As an aside, is this what Jesus said? No, that's not what Jesus said. Number one, who knows that Jesus said John the Baptist is greater than Moses? Who knows that the book of Hebrews says Jesus is greater than Moses? Is there a hierarchy in the Bible? Is there a hierarchy in Quran? No. So Jesus is no different from anybody else. Now, um, jihad. Jihad means fight, struggle. Okay? And in the Surah, in Surah 2, it says, and fight the way of Allah, those who fight you, but transgress not the limits. In other words, if they oppose you, then oppose them back. All right, that was the early teaching. Kill them wherever you find them and turn them out from where they turned you out. It was revenge. But if they cease, Allah is off forgiving, most merciful. So if they stop fighting you, then you don't fight back. But then later on, see these are from different parts. And they kind of contradict each other. And it's called abrogation. And fight them until there is no more fitnah, which is disbelief and worshipping of others, along with Allah. Okay? <clears throat> That's what Muslims believe. What do Christians believe? This is what Christians believe. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what we believe. We are all sons of God. Incidentally, there are no daughters of God because sons of God are the ones who inherit. And it says in Galatians, there's no male or female. So even the ladies among you, you're a son of God as far as the Bible is concerned. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the Christians reckon that that $3 billion that Abraham got, part of it is ours now. So Ishmael didn't get it. He got sent away with a jar of water. Isaac got it. That means, as far as we're concerned, it's ours as well, because we are heirs of Abraham. That's what Christians believe. Christians believe we are heirs of Abraham. And you start to see a problem emerging. If Jews believe they're heirs of Abraham, and Muslims believe they're heirs of Abraham, and Christians believe they're heirs of Abraham, 
what might be emerging here. And this was the promise to Abraham. We all know it, Genesis 12. And Jehovah said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Do Christians feel blessed? Yes, we are blessed. Has God made of us a great name? Yes. We may live in an environment of persecution, but that doesn't negate two millennia all right, of God's glory on this earth through the church. And be thou a blessing. Has the church been a blessing? Yes. So we have inherited the promises of Abraham. And I will bless them that bless thee. Now we're all familiar with this in the context of Jews. We bless Jew, we bless Israel. We're blessed in turn. I'm pleased that Boris Johnson went on a kibbutz in 1984 and said, This is great. I'm a Zionist. I'm very pleased. If you bless Israel, you get blessed back. But did you know that it applies to Christians? If somebody blesses you because you are a child of God, you're a Christian, you're also an heir of Abraham, whether they know it or not, and they will be blessed. We carry this just because we are who we are. We're walking down the street. Somebody blesses us. Random act. They're automatically blessed. And then the other thing. Him that curseth thee, I will curse. And in thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In thee, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Sorry, I should have... Um, right. So in Genesis 12 we have, and 17 onwards, we have God's covenant with Abraham. We have the descendants of Israel. We have, in Christ, heirs of Abraham. And according to this book, the Quran, these people, the Muslims, are the true followers of Abraham's religion. Are you getting this? There's a three-way pull. The <laughs> part of the problem is that those outside faith, so those who are not Christians, not Muslims, and not Jews. So atheists, Chinese, Russians. They don't know this. And they have no idea why these groups are fighting among themselves. And they read the manifesto. They go online, they look up Hezbollah, they look up Al-Qaeda, they look up their manifesto. 
and then one group is saying we're going to annihilate the other two groups. And they have no idea why. If you don't know why, you don't think they mean it. They attribute different reasons in favor of the true reason. Actually, I'm going to do something here. Um, my wife encouraged me to... I receive revelation, she says, just let it out. Okay, for the purposes of this morning, this is a set of instructions from Ikea. You go and buy a wardrobe from Ikea, and you come home, and this comes out of the box. Okay, so here I am, I've got this, and I'm uh, putting together this wardrobe. Okay, and I'm referring to the instructions and I'm putting the screws in and all this stuff. Okay? Now, wouldn't it be nice if there were an IKEA app? Alright? It's an IKEA app. Now cameras have these things that beam out. What if this beam were a hologram? You tap the IKEA app, you put in the code of the wardrobe you just bought, you put it on the floor, and out comes this hologram of an IKEA technician with a little badge and blonde hair and Swedish accent. And you're putting this wardrobe together, and he says, wait a minute, you put in the wrong screw. Take that screw out, please. So you take the screw out, you put the other one in. And then he says, now turn it over, so you turn it over. And he says, put this screw in the right-hand side. So you, no, no, right-hand side. Okay, right. Okay. Which would you rather have? Hmm? Right. Let me tell you something. If you're a Jew, you have a book. You read it, and you try and make sense of it, and you live your life according to it. If you're a Muslim, you have a book. You're trying to live your life according to what it says. I've got news for you. If you're a Christian, you've got the Bible. You've also got the Holy Spirit. You read the Bible and the Holy Spirit telling you what it means. Because he's alive. Nobody is simply reading the book, scratching their head, and figuring out which screw to use. Because somebody is there telling them. There is a way that we have to understand the Bible that they don't. The bad news is that many, many Christians try it the old way. Many, many Christians don't call up the app. They ignore that, or they even don't know the app exists. How many churches have people been to that don't know the existence of the app? 
or deny. We want to operate in the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit. We want to open the Bible and have the Holy Spirit telling us what it says. But too often, to our shame, we rely on the Word and not the Spirit. Now, we know who Christians are, we know who Muslims are, we know who Jews are. What about Palestinians? Who are they? See, the inhabitants of the land of the Philistines, that's what Palestinians are, they're inhabitants of the land of the Philistines. And they're beneficiaries of a covenant that Abraham made with Abimelech. God said to Abraham, pertaining to 400 or so, 430 years later, but Abraham didn't know how many years later, he just knew that the sin of the Amorite wasn't great enough for God to wipe them out yet so that his descendants would be sojourners in a land that is not the promised land until the Amorites are ready for God to wipe them out. So he doesn't physically possess the land, but he has the covenant. The covenant says, this will be your land. So what does he decide to do? He decides to carve out a corner of it and give it to somebody else, even before he gets it himself. If you don't believe me, read Genesis. It came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Philcol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal according you will not deal falsely with me and with my offspring or with my posterity, descendants. Abraham's descendants and Abimelech's descendants, there's a deal. But that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. Abraham said, I will swear. So they made, what did they make? Covenant. Who was here for my talk on covenants? Right. Well, this was a side covenant that Abraham made with a covenant that God gave him. He carved it up. Got a map, got a pair of scissors. You can have this bit. It's called the Gaza Strip. Which Jew has been able to conquer the Gaza Strip? None. Because there's a covenant. David couldn't do it. Solomon couldn't do it. Joshua couldn't do it. Rehoboam couldn't do it. Hezekiah couldn't do it. Benjamin Netanyahu can't do it. 
It can't be done. Right, let's look at the other promise. Genesis 17, I mentioned that earlier. And when Abraham was 99 years old, Jehovah appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me. We've been hearing about walking from John. Walk before me. God told him, walk before me. And be thou perfect. John spoke about that this morning. Be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, uh, sorry, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be the father of a multitude of nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham, but thy name shall be Abraham, for the father of a multitude of nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee and I will give unto thee and to all thy seed after thee the land of thy sojournings all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession and I will be their God the thing is They have read this. Muslims who've read the Quran know that Torah gave the land to Abraham but they also know something else. They also know that Moses delivered the children of Israel, not the children of Ishmael, okay, to possess the land. So actually, they're not going to lift a finger to directly oust Israel. They're going to get the Palestinians to do their dirty work. So they'd rather fund the Palestinians and give them rockets then send the rockets in themselves because they know the Palestinians can't be conquered by Israel. Israel can't get rid of them. Right. But they have a strategy. Islam has a strategy. And that strategy is called Islamic terrorism. Okay, Islamic terrorism, all terrorism, all terrorism is based on ideology. So the Tamil Tigers, IRA, you name it, it's based on ideology. They're not there to get more money. They're there because they believe in something. So Islamic terrorism is based on Islamic ideology. It's not territorial. They don't want the land of Israel. They just want to get rid of Jews.
is not political. World leaders look for political solutions and they're going to find them. It's not economic. The Western world has given so many handouts to try and stem the violence. It doesn't work. They don't want money. And it's not based on ethnicity either. Now, there are two options in terms of what Quran says. What does the Quran say, right? Option A, Islam requires terrorists to act the way they do, which is what the terrorists say they are doing. They're deriving authority from the Quran. Option B is terrorists are spreading Islam independently of Islam. This is what the Western leaders claim. Western leaders say Islam is a religion of peace and those who fight are rogues and therefore not true Islam. And because of that view, the government has, so Islam has a strategy. Western governments also have a strategy to fight Islamic terrorism. So, anti-terrorist laws are strengthened after 9-11. And in addition to increasing police powers, governments have increased obligations on financial institutions to detect and report suspicious activity. So, if a bank sees money going from an entity to one of the 84 designated entities, they have to report it. And then the police come crashing down. And then they, have, they are waging, Western governments, waging war on terror. So what is this war? Islamic terrorist organizations aim to intimidate or influence governments into meeting their demands. That's what they do. That's why they exist. Terrorists have active and passive supporters, and the government seek to target both the perpetrators and supporters. But the war is on terrorism, not on Islam. So, what's the problem? Arab leaders, religious leaders, national leaders, those who are in power legitimately, those who are pretenders to power, terrorists, they all advocate forceful expulsion of Jews and the persecution of Christians. And yet Western world leaders insist that Islam is a religion of peace and that Islam and the support of terrorism are not linked. They can't see any linkage. As an example, as an Islamic leader called Yaffa Khalil Sakuf from Indonesia, this is one example out of many. And he said, Western politicians should stop pretending 
that extremism is not linked to Islam. That's what they're saying. All three Abrahamic religions, monotheistic religions, are proselytic. They all advocate preaching and winning. For example, in Psalm 86 it says, All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and they shall glorify thy name, for thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. So, within the Old Testament, it says that part of Torah is for the other nations to come and worship God because they're meant to be a light to the Gentiles. The Gospel. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's what the New Testament says. Similarly, in Surah 61, it says, He has sent his messenger with the guidance and true religion and will make it dominate all religions. So all three of these books have that in common, amongst other things. But only the Quran advocates violence to get converts. I don't see Jews going around saying, become a Jew, I'll kill you. All right. That's in Surah 47. Um, so when you meet those who disbelieve, smite their necks till when you have killed and wounded many of them, they bind a bond firmly. In other words, they become Muslims. So start killing some of them, and then the rest will become Muslim. I'll tell you something else that uh, all three religions have in common. All three Abrahamic religions reject the knowledge of good and evil. Because all three believe what Genesis says. Genesis says Satan was the one who gave the woman the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil. Satan gave it. Gave it. Not God. God has no intention that we should use the knowledge of good and evil. Satan wants us to use the knowledge of good and evil. Jews know that. That's why they have Torah to extract them from the knowledge of good and evil. That's what the law of Moses does. It distances you from basing your decisions on the knowledge of good and evil. You just follow the law. Because using the knowledge of good and evil results in the flood. That's what mankind was doing. They were operating on the knowledge of good and evil. So God sent the flood. Then later on, God sent Torah so that at least the children of Israel will not rely on the knowledge of good and evil. 
Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. Muhammad gave his followers the Quran. Well, he didn't actually write it, but you know what I mean. Jehovah God commanded the man of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Operating, making decisions, choosing what to do based on the knowledge of good and evil leads to death. Walking in the spirit leads to life. And the serpent said unto the woman, thou shalt not surely die. Of course he'd say that. He wants you to think that if you operate in the knowledge of good and evil, you live. Well, you don't. God knoweth that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Serpent. Now then, if you don't have the knowledge or you don't use the knowledge of good and evil and somebody comes along and says, right, we'll give you hospitals and we'll give you schools and uh, just give us your weapons and stop shooting. And they don't have knowledge of good and evil. How are you going to negotiate with them? Hmm? Islamic terrorists do not negotiate. Because if you want to negotiate, you have to find common ground. So if both parties use the knowledge of good and evil, then they can negotiate. If both parties are filled with the Holy Spirit, they can negotiate. Peter and Paul had their run-ins, but in the end it was fine. Because they both had the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Excuse me. Western leaders say, well, we want you to do this. And they say, why? Because it is part of the universal good. That's their language, Camp David. That's what they're appealing to. Good is not relevant to Islamists. Good. Oh no, that's not what Quran says. It says kill him. It's not good to kill people. The Quran says kill him. They operate on the perceived word of Allah. But remember, they don't have the Holy Spirit telling them what Quran says. They just have the written words. Are you seeing that this is not a human problem? Because it's not a human problem, Western leaders are out of their depth. 
like fish out of water. They don't have the language. They don't have the literacy to negotiate or fight or deal with. Because they don't know anything I've just said, uh, told you in the last hour. They have no concept of it. And therefore, there is no human solution. Because all human solutions seek to apply the knowledge of good and evil to a situation. There is a solution. It's going to be a highway from Egypt to Syria. Who knows about that? <laughs> All right. Have it. <laughs> Isaiah 19. Isaiah 19 is a solution. We have the solution, but we need to get on our knees. They're not going to come up with a solution. We cannot rely on them to come up with a solution. It doesn't exist within their language. The only solution will come with ripped jeans when we kneel. It's a religious problem. Any questions? Ginny. That, 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 that's right, that's right. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, though, Western governments conflate uh, hatred against um, an activity with hatred against people. And that, we we're also facing that. I mean, that goes to, you know, what you're doing on Saturday. If you sort of say, well, what you're doing is wrong, then you're speaking against a person. You're not speaking against an activity. And that, that is... That is one of the challenges we Christians face, all right? And, and p police don't seem to make that distinction, but you're right. Any other questions, comments? They accept what Torah is, says, but they think that the current version that the Jews... See, during his lifetime, Muhammad tried to join 
um, a, a Jewish community and they rejected him, said he was nuts. So he tried to be one of those two and they kicked him out. So he sort of got his revenge. What Quran says, what Muhammad said and was transcribed is that he, Jews and Christians are people of the book and as far as the Quran is concerned, like I said, there's nothing wrong with Torah and Gospel. But his complaint is that the Jews aren't doing what Torah says, which is true. After AD 70, Jews can't do what Torah says physically. Not possible. But in addition to that, they weren't doing what Torah said in spirit, not just in the letter. That was his problem with them. Then he turned to the Christians and he said, well, Christians aren't doing what Gospel says. Well, what does the gospel says? Jesus said, well, if your right hand offends you, chop it off. So he didn't see too many Christians going around with chopped off hands. So he knows that Christians aren't doing what gospel says. He knows that. So his complaint is, Jews aren't doing what Torah says, and Christians aren't doing what gospel says. That's how Islam arose. Because of us and our failure. We're at fault here. Allah is not the same as Jehovah, obviously, but Moses didn't know, I mean, uh, Muhammad didn't know that. Muhammad thought that Abraham worshipped Allah. Yeah, Abraham worshipped Jehovah, but Muhammad says Abraham worshipped Allah. So in his mind, they're the same. But obviously, from our perspective, they're not, uh, definitely not the same. Definitely. Ah, Genesis 16, if you want to look it up. Well, I will have to look at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yep, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. of course, of course, yes, yes. He had many, many sons, many, yeah, and he had, not only did he have the wives, he had the concubines. Uh, I understand all that, yes. But there, there is a, okay. This has come up before, so I really do want to deal with it. So Sarai said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. This is Genesis 16:2. Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife. So that word appears to be his wife after Abraham and had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So I'm just picking up that word. I'm just taking it at face value. Okay. Sorry, you had one more, you said? Okay, all right. Yes, everybody knows that um, Ishmael was born, but Technically, according to Genesis 16, he was not born out of wedlock. That's not why he dispossessed him. 
he dispossessed him contrary to Torah that Moses wrote 430 years later because Sarah said so and God said right just listen to her so things happened all right there were failures uh, I'm not dwelling on that because that's not my failure but I would say that as a Christian I would have to acknowledge that there was a failure during Muhammad's lifetime because we weren't doing what uh, gospel said Uh, absolutely, I, I, I'm, you know, uh, if you, oh, John said, that, uh, are we seeing any breakthrough in, within Islam and, you know, people coming to Christ? Uh, lots and lots. At, at an individual level, yes. Um, just as at an individual level, there are lots of messianic uh, believers, lots and lots of them, but not at the level of um, the leadership and I believe that, you know, Romans 11 is talking about when the Jewish leaders accept Yeshua as Messiah. In the same way, there's no acceptance, obviously, within the leadership. But there are lots and lots, lots I mean, uh, you, you said yourself, there was this girl who said her father had just, but there's thousands of examples of that, thousands. And so we should really take heart from that take. Yes. Right. Okay, I've picked no, that's but right, but I have picked out if yeah. you all right. I believe that we're gonna try to put these slides and the uh, microphone, the uh, voice onto the website. Mm -hmm. So you'll be able to download both the talk and the slides, the three talks that I've given sure. from the website. And if you look up, one of the slides actually lists um, um, what I said, that uh, Quran says you've got to believe the gospel, you've got to believe the Torah, you've got to believe Muhammad, you've got to believe, it, it's all mixed up, but it's there. So if you refer to that surah number, surah 61 or whatever it is, and says it actually says in the Quran, believe on Jesus, because Jesus is also mentioned, and Mary, you know, the mother of Jesus, say the Quran actually says, look to Jesus, and then you start looking from the new. I think that there is a way in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they'll be, they themselves may be very surprised to say that, to see that the Quran, at the very least, endorses Jesus, although it doesn't elevate him. Okay. Okay. Anyone else, or shall I bring this to a. Yes, God made a promise, uh, two promises pertaining to Ishmael, which, you know, many, many nations, many, 12 princes, he said 12 princes will come out of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of them, yes. Oh. Um, what, who do Muslims believe wrote the original copy of the Quran? The Muslims, um, first of all, the Muslims say that Muhammad himself couldn't read or write. 
so he himself didn't write any of it. So the Quran emerged from his sayings so that later scribes wrote down what Muhammad said and that became the Quran. Okay. Let's, um, we've had an intense session, I believe. So let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, the first thing I want to do is acknowledge your sovereignty. I want to acknowledge that you are the God of the universe. God of heaven and earth. That we have ultimate victory in Christ. Because you have, Philippians says, you have elevated Christ to the highest place. The highest place. So I, I pray that we walk out of here <coughs> with confidence in the blood of Jesus. Not in our own efforts, but in victory in Christ. But may we walk in the Spirit May we walk in the Spirit at all times and serve your purposes and your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe next time, Islamic eschatology, Alan. <laughs> Praise God. I'm sure Alan won't mind if you pick his brain on a few more questions over lunch. We're about to have lunch, everybody next door, so uh, I think they're almost set up, so just fall in, I guess, and they'll tell us where to go from there. If we can have a volunteer, as I asked in the beginning, just to take those bread baskets or whatever they are, to, to take them. Okay. You take it. Okay, never mind. That one's been taken care of, yeah. And then also, just do remember, we did say on the, on the program that tonight uh, uh, we'll be taking an offering as well to go towards some of the things towards camp. So just bear that in mind as well. But be back here half past six, another time of praise and worship, and uh, Simon will come and minister the word to us tonight. Enjoy your lunch. God bless.